Okay, I actually really am very glad that those two words came specifically, or three, the three words that he had, but two of them had to do with something that blocks worship. I'm going to just put this out there, and this is not for condemnation, but it really needs to be said all the same. The normal Christian life is a life that worships and gives very freely to God our worship. Um, it's not normal to not be able to worship, and it is not normal if I start worshipping and then start getting too tired to st not stand, I can be sitting down, but if I get too tired and start getting pain, if I start getting pain in my body when I'm starting to worship God, that is often, I'm not going to say always, but often, it's an indication that you need to be some delivered. There needs to be deliverance going on in your life. Demonic control and demonic oppression stops and blocks the worship of God. Demonic oppression and demonic control stops our being able to read the word and in delight to God's word. So he brought that word, but please, please understand. Now, there's no shame and there is no condemnation. If you're in this room and you're like, oh, that's me, but how do I put my hand up for that? Because then everybody sees. Can I ask you? Let's be the kind of people that just go, look, my freedom is way more important than my dignity. Amen? Isn't my freedom way more important than my dignity? Like my, my, the, how people see me or view me, the other people in the world, what's more important, that or, or my freedom to engage my heart and connect with the who created me, God? Amen? And so can we not be afraid of needing deliverance and needing some repentance in those areas in our heart? Our whole life until I meet Jesus face to face is one where I have to continually bring my heart and continually repent before him of things that he's just going to highlight throughout my whole life. I'm never going to be made perfect until I die, this physical body dies. Then we get the perfect resurrected body. But, but, but we're not going to receive that body. And so if we can just be okay with um, the church, this, this space is really okay for you to come and say, I have a problem with this and I need some help or I need some confession, I need to repent, I need some deliverance. Really, it's really, this has got to be the safe place for that. I don't think that the church always has been to our disgrace, actually, because Jesus came and one of the main things of his ministry was deliverance. And the main thing, by the way, in the brand new church that as it grew from the first moment of Pentecost and for the first hundred years, more people turned up into church because they knew they needed deliverance and they knew that they'd get the help they needed and they knew they wouldn't be shamed for it, for needing it. Does that make sense? So we're going to be people who just go, yeah, okay. I'm having a hard time worshipping. God, what is that? Check my heart. Do I need to repent of something? Do I need prayer? Do I need deliverance from something? Because we want to be free people. Amen? And the only way we get free is by, first of all, repentance, bringing our heart, yielding. Repentance is the doorway to our freedom. Repentance is the thing, the thing. An unyielded heart, a heart that's not surrendered, can sit in church for decades and not be free and wonder where joy is, wonder where God is, why I see all these people, these people are supposed to be, they're Christians, I'm a Christian, I've given my life to you, why am I not free? Often it's just because I haven't given my heart to him. Clayton said there's got to be something put on the altar. What we put on the altar is ourself, and a, and a dead thing can't climb back off. <laughs> we are crucified with Christ. If I put myself on the altar and I become that dead thing, I can't crawl back off when it feels uncomfortable. It's all right there given, and that's what Jesus comes down and consumes, and fire comes in a way in our lives that touches and changes us and then touches and changes cities. Amen?
And so let's be people who just go, yeah, I, I need to respond to that word, even though it might mean a bit of losing face, a little bit of loss of dignity. Amen? Let's not be people who care about our dignity. That's the fear of man. That is the fear of man. Dignity before man. Because here's what God dignified you by raising you up with Christ and seating you with Christ in heavenly places. You are seated with Christ, even though we, we're physically here, we're also with Christ in heavenly places right now. And so if he has raised you to that place and dignified you and honored you like that, why would you care at all about what the, your neighbor thinks about you so as you don't want to lose dignity or lose face? Wouldn't you instead go bring your heart and say, I need some help here? I'm struggling with this. This is real. And it's blocked my worship. We're talking about worship tonight. So I need a drink of water. I am really thirsty. Sorry. Cover that. Um, let's just pray. It's 6.23 already. So... Oh, God, um, thank you. Thank you that you do come. Thank you that you do come. You do bring presence, power, strength is ours. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, you break things off our lives and you make us aware of things that we need to let go of and repent of and get rid of in our lives. And we want to be the people that will do this every single day for the rest of our lives. Just bring our heart again and again and yield again and again and not hold anything back from you, Father. We give our lives to you. Every part of our life, every breath we pray would be poured out in prayer praise to you, Father. Every breath that we inhale, Spirit of God, and we exhale praise back to you, Father. This is what you created us for, and we give our lives for this, Jesus. We ask for you to come and have your way. We ask your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, God. Getting a little excited. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm just going to, um, trying to shorten my message so I'm trying to think of what but you know what God you help me you know what you once said um I love I love John chapter four I love all of John actually I love all the Bible <laughs> I do um but I love the book of John John the beloved um is in so much intimacy in the book of John so much intimacy in um in all anything that he wrote, there's just a lot of intimacy and a lot of understanding of how we can learn ourselves to just love and lean upon the chest of Jesus and rest in him and understand who we are and the intimacy that we, we're all invited to have. As through John's writing is beautiful for that. We're reading from John 4 right now. Um, now, just to give you some beginning. John chapter 4, John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. It's the absolute beginning of his ministry. Um, some of the other... Gospels were written, and it's just slightly after this point where chapter 2 is the very first miracle, the wedding banquet. Jesus changes water into wine. People are quite familiar with that. Uh, but John chapter 4, people are also familiar with this, but it's the woman at the well. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really the, um, he's got a few disciples already. He hasn't yet chosen his twelve. He's got a few followers. John has been saying, hey, that man, that man, that's the Messiah, John the Baptist. And Jesus really hasn't done anything other than change water to wine. And now he begins and he starts his ministry, his earthly ministry. He walks through, he's going somewhere, but he stops in this little town and he meets the woman who's called the Samaritan woman. And this woman is a non, not Jewish, Samaritan people were not Jewish people. And so really 
They were outside of the promise, outside of the covenant of God. But they lived side by side alongside the Jews. And they really tried to be like the Jews. And they tried to have worship that was like the Jews. And so the conversation that he has with her really sets her free, leads her to Jesus. And she becomes the first evangelist. And she goes back to her town. Everyone comes back to Jesus in that, like, one day. Anyway, so John chapter 4. This is what he says to this woman because she's asking him about worship. John chapter 4. A time is coming and has now come. Oh, 23, 24. <laughs> verse 23, verse 24. A time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And verse 23, it, Jesus is saying the Father is seeking worshippers. What does that mean? The Father is seeking worshippers. Does he need our worship? No. He is fully self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. But he created us in love to be people carrying and bearing his image, to be people who also would reflect back to him the glory he'd already given to us by creating us in his image. And so we are created because he loved us. He wanted a people that he could call his own and love. And he set us, Adam, First man, he set man in the garden, created after his image. This, uh, this, uh, Genesis 26, let us make man in our own image. He set Adam in the garden to reflect back to God the glory that God has himself. Because he so wanted people to be bearers of his image, carriers of his glory, radiant in our ability to reflect back who God was. We are not God, not saying that. I'm saying we are created beings, but created in his image, the apple of his eye, precious in his heart, but people who are created to reflect back to him glory and honor and praise. We are the pinnacle of creation. God made creation, then made man, then said, wow, good, look what I made, man is good. All of it is very good. All, of, all of it is good, but man, he was made very good. The pinnacle of creation. The man was made so that all of the earth would create worship. We know Psalm right here. Psalm 47, verse 7. God is the king of all the earth. Sing praise to him. Psalm 61, verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 69, 34. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas, the, all that move in them, bring praise back to God. God had created everything, but the, the idea was he put man, Adam, in the garden, and the purpose of Adam then was that he would what? Rule, he would take dominion, and he would extend the garden. He would extend the borders of Eden and go and create order from what was not order. God created the earth from nothing, and in the middle of the earth put a garden, Gorgeous garden, Adam in the middle of the garden as the one who would reflect glory back to God and in the garden cultivate it, which is another Hebrew word that we can also say that was part of his worship. Adam was in the garden to cultivate, but as he was doing it, worship God, bringing glory to God, but reflecting into the garden also. God's image and God's glory into the garden. And as he did that, as he was to have kids... And they were to stay sin-free. But as he was to have kids, God knew they'd fall. But as he was to have kids, the idea was the garden would get extended, extended and fill the whole earth. As we know God wants his glory to fill the whole earth. And the plan was in the beginning was that Adam and Eve and children would have children and they would extend and push and the borders of the garden would be extended and God's glory would fill the whole earth. 
We fell. Adam fell. We fell. Man. Man fell. God is seeking worshippers. You know, what said of, Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Adam fell, so all men fell. We all fell. Adam sinned, brought sin upon the whole earth. He spiritually died in that moment. And so every other man, human, that's ever walked the planet other than Jesus was being born into this same spiritual death, like a death. We're not spiritually dead, like zombies. We have a physical body and a a soul and personality and can enjoy life, but without being born again into the Spirit of God, people are spiritually dead. And that's the effect of the fall. God didn't want that, so Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So through Jesus, I love John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, He's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is a church leader, and he goes, I don't understand that. How am I an adult? How do I get back into my mum's womb and get born again? And Nicodemus just just breaking his thinking. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. But Jesus is not talking about any kind of physical rebirth. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth, and we must be born again. The moment a person gives their life to Jesus, faith in their heart rises, and they just say, I confess my sin, I repent, I want you as my Lord and Savior. At that specific moment, the Holy Spirit breathes the breath of life into them and they are born of the Spirit, born again, born anew, born of the Spirit of God, now spiritually alive to God, now reinstated to the Adam-like position that we once had. Fully, by the way, fully reinstated to that Adam-like life. Uh, We talk about this because it's important. We talk about this and we'll keep talking about this because it's got to get into our hearts. We've got to understand Adam was made for the intimacy, walking in the garden. We, the minute we are born again, the Spirit of God comes and resides on the inside. We have the same, same access to God. There is no difference between us and Adam pre-fall now. The difference exists here in our heads and our hearts, when we won't give God the worship that he is due and we hold things back in our heart and we won't repent and we won't yield and we allow things to come in and distract us. And so it's all between our ears, all of this now. So the, the work of the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit of God coming and residing on the inside of you has reinstated you to that same place that Adam had where he could walk naked, the Bible says naked and unashamed. That means in all of our vulnerability, in all of our vulnerability, we can just walk with the Father or Jesus or Holy Spirit, doesn't matter. We can walk with them every single day and do life so incredibly beautifully, so close, so close. The borders of the garden were supposed to be extended and glory was supposed to be revealed through Adam. He, as he stood cultivated the garden, part of obedience, part of worship. Our worship, part of our worship is just daily obedience to Lord. Loving obedience, not hard rule following. That's not obedience. God doesn't make rules in that sense. He asks us into beautiful relationship and asks us to live with boundaries around our life because they protect us. And why do we not have sex before marriage? Because it helps keep our spirit pure and whole and undamaged. 
And so people struggle sometimes when we say, yeah, don't have sex before marriage. And God created man and a woman for marriage. And people struggle with that because of the cultural messages so right now are so strong. But the whole point is that we were designed to unite with one person. You become spiritually one. And the, and the rule, it's not that there's rules around about that. It's boundaries to keep this thing beautiful and safe and pure. And the great joyment, joyment, enjoyment, <laughs> getting away from myself. <laughs> um, but there's reasons. So it's not just I'm talking about physical relationship now with a, a man and a wife, but it goes for all of our life. God has given boundaries for us to keep us safe and whole and protect us, but it's for our freedom so that we would have incredible freedom and enjoy the greatest glory a man and a woman can enjoy. The closest thing we can get is when the union between a man and a woman and the whole point of these boundaries are for freedom, not to limit us ever. Safety, yes, but not to limit us. It's great, great freedom. Why am I saying that? So, so, we, we worship, we, we cultivate our own life of worship and obedience by just doing what he has asked us to do every single day. That's it. We cultivate this life. Cultivate, one of the Hebrew words also means, for worship is also means cultivate the garden. My garden, my life, your garden, your family, our church garden. You can use the metaphor however you like. But it's the, the as we just cultivate a life of beautiful obedience to the Lord, a life lived in great honor, giving glory, giving honor. When you wake up in the morning and your first breath is, oh, I'm alive with you. I'm going to get to do this day with you. And that you've got an intention in your heart to do that and you practice that. But the more you do that, it becomes normal. It becomes your default. And that's the whole point about living this life as worshipers. We are worshipers. We were created to worship as the pinnacle of creation, worship God, reflect his glory then into the earth, collect that earth and, and reflect that glory back to God. In the garden, we're supposed to be extended. And I've got a story that I think is a funny story. I don't know if anybody rides motorcycles here as I'm looking around. I don't ride motorcycles, but I know the story. So um, there's a man, Ewan McGregor. He's one of the, one of the an English actor. And one of his best friends, his name is Jamie Borland. They did two trips. Um, they did the long way round and they did um, the long way down. And the two trips were they packed everything that they'd need for three or six months on motorcycle and they had a car following them because they were cheating. They had felt camera crew. <laughs> but um, they had everything they needed on their motorbike. And they got on their motorbikes and they went from... The long way round was just a, a long way around the world this way. And then the long way down, the long way down is what I'm talking about. They top of Scotland. They drove down through Scotland, down through England, down through parts of Europe, down to the bottom of Italy. From Italy caught a ferry to, across to Tunisia, which is part of Africa. Went from the top of Africa all the way down crossed coasts in Africa and landed all the way down in South Africa. And the point of their trip was just to see the world and ride motorbikes. But here is the, why I'm explaining all this and giving this story. Because to me, my mind, I already knew this, but to have two non-Christian men say this, I was like, yes, God, get them. <laughs> so at one point, they're standing on the border of Kenya and the border of Somalia and they stood looking at one country on one side and the other country on the other. Kenya is 89, 90%, uh, 89, almost, almost at 90% a Christian nation. Kenya. They're looking and, and, and do it all right. Kenya, Kenya's on their right. 
They've just been through Somalia, so that's why they're at the border. They're crossing down into Kenya off Somalia, which is east coast on the way down. So they're in, coming through Somalia, and up before that was Eritrea. Dry, barren Eritrea, down through Somalia, also dry and barren. Barren, but here's what they said. Two men who are not Christians, who don't have the Christian worldview to understand what this really means. They've come through very barren places in the north east of Africa, down to this border, and they're looking into Kenya going, it is green. Everything is green. The people are happy. They're just in a border town. The people in Kenya were joyful and happy and and just excited about life, and they're trying to wrap their brain around the people that they've just been passed through Somalia and then north of that again, Eritrea, depressed people, dry and arid and barren grounds. Now, Eritrea, as well as Somalia, is, Somalia is almost 100% Muslim. Why am I saying that? Because God, through worship, wants us to extend a garden. And in Kenya, where it's almost 90% Christian, it is green and fruitful, and the lives of people there are happy and excited, and they're joyful, and, and unstoppable, irrepressible kind of joy in these people, because a lot of them live with a lot of poverty, not everybody there, but a lot of people live with a lot of poverty there, but still in their spirit of who they are, because the land has been extended, the borders of the land has been extended, and glory is shining in that land. It is fruitful, and it's green, and these two non-Christian men, couldn't understand why they'd been through Eritrea and then into Somalia going barrenness and they showed in the TV show they showed just barren barren land uh, hard life hard hard life of these people he I mean you know it's produced TV so they can show a little bit of the extra oh this is really barren and this is really green like I understand if you understand they're producing a TV show so they they can show the best and the worst of both places but the point I'm making is One country, 100% Muslim, dry, barren, arable farmland there is quite low in comparison to Kenya. Why is that? Across the border into Kenya, almost 90, it's about 98%, 90% Christian, arable land, joyful, happy people. It's just the whole land is like has a different spirit over it. And this is the point, as we are supposed to be worshippers of God, as we worship, even the land changes. The heart and the spirit over people and over a land changes. This heart and the spirit over a city can change when we do this. But as, as these people in this nation, and I don't know how long because I know that sometimes in these, some of those nations it can um, rotate between Islam gets a foothold for a while and then Christianity gets a foothold for a while. I get that not trying to talk about that so much as our job as worshippers, as we worship, we extend the borders of heaven. We literally extend the borders of heaven and our worship reflects the glory of God and even the land is affected. 2, um, two Chronicles 7.14, and we know this because we talk about this Bible verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. This is what worship is, pray, seek my face, humble yourself, Repent before the Lord. This is our acts of worship. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it's repentance, turn from my wicked ways, my, my uh, turning to getting frustrated or irritated and letting that become an attitude that affects my heart, that's a wicked way in me and I've got to repent and confess of that if I really want to have God transform my life so fully that I can really honour him in the way that he wants me to honour him. It's giving up all of that stuff. That verse then goes on to say, I will hear from heaven. God is saying, if my people repent, if they worship me, if they humble themselves, if they give up their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Like that's what these two non-Christian men were seeing in Kenya, healed land, healed land, because some Christians lived there and worshipped, and as we worship, we take on more of the glory of God because we're transformed more into his image as we worship him, we take on more of his glory, and we reflect it around it to the world around about us, and it was his plan from the beginning that we'd be the kind of people that can just show forth carriers like a vessel, we're supposed to carry his presence. It's the same way, carry his glory. We carry it everywhere we go. And even the grass on our front lawn will be affected, right, Clayton? He's quite, he's got really amazing grass, I will say. We, we do. It's yours. It's yours. <laughs> um, I'm making a joke, but it is for real. Like, please, please, please understand we are not powerless people. Christians, you have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. And if you will, with your heart daily, just go, I am a worshiper. I was created to worship God. And as I come into that right identity, everything and everyone else around me will be affected by the glory that I carry, even the grass on my front lawn. Kenya is a picture of that. I'm just trying to check the time because 6.44, I'm actually going to cut out. <laughs> Someone whispered, no, but 10 other people might have been going, thank God, I'm hungry. <laughs> um, I will just say this. Father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I've talked about in spirit. You are born again. The Holy Spirit of God is breathed inside of you. Now you are a spiritual being. First, more importantly than your physical being, you are a spiritual being. You've been given now life eternal. It resides on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit of God has come and taken up residence in your life. And the Bible says you've been marked with a seal upon your life. It's marking you saying, you're God's, you're God's full, full possession right? So you are owned by God. The only way we can worship God in spirit is by understanding we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual because he resides on the inside. 
The Spirit of God on the inside of us is what produces worship back to God in the first place. The Spirit of God inside of us is what enables me to get up every single morning and my first thought can be a praise thought or a thanksgiving thought or a first breath of you know, being awake and just going, oh, I get to do life with you again, God. That is the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. And so if you are feeling less than in that situation, ask God because he is the one who wants to produce that in you and produce that kind of life in you. And he gives you great, great strength, great help to do it. Okay, so it's the Spirit of God. Uh, God is looking for, Father, God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's in spirit. So now I'm going to show you this. Who knows that one of the words for spirit, well, it, Hebrew ruach, but Greek is, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, pneuma. <laughs> pneuma. One of the words. You are a worshipper. Say, 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 I am a worshipper. Say, I was created to worship. I am a worshipper. Now, this is an instrument, right? I was waiting to see who'd repeat that. <laughs> so this is an instrument, but our lives, our lives are the instrument. This just makes noise here on the earth. And you know what? One day, the earth's going to burn up. This is, just, this is just wood. But listen. Can you hear that resonating? This is what's called an acoustic box on the guitar. You can hear that noise, that's vibrating. That's air on the inside vibrating through that. Right? So we can make it sound pretty, can't we? Like some of us can. I, sometimes I can't. So that's vibrating. That's all this is happening. All that's happening here is that there's a vibration being picked up on the inside. And because this is a fairly large guitar, actually, so the larger the box, even the more noise is produced. It's the vibration. Now, the Holy Spirit, say, I am an instrument. Holy Spirit breathes into you his breath, right? So listen. You can hear that vibrating on the inside. When the Holy Spirit breathes his breath into you, what do you think is breathed out of you? What do you think gets vibrated out? It's, it's worship. That's what this was about. I am the instrument. I receive his breath like as if he is the one doing this, playing my life, right? He plays our life. When he breathes into me and then I decide to worship him and give him that praise back, he is producing in me worship that is going to bless God's heart like we, we as a human in our human strength cannot do. It is, the, it is the Holy Spirit who does that in us and for us, through us. God seeks worshipers who will worship in spirit and the reason why is we saw it here for whoever's heart was really engaged. I could saw fire in this room tonight. Some other people might have felt presence. I also saw glory, just little glory spots. Now, why? Because 
there's a heavenly realm that's very active and around us all the time, non-stop active around about us. And the more we just give ourselves to worship and the more we allow the Holy Spirit just to breathe in us and just allow Him to um, produce in us the worship that is just going to bless God's heart, the more we affect the atmosphere all around about us in the spiritual realm, but also as we've been talking about in Kenya and Clayton's green grass, um, we affect the physical world as well. And that's the point of being glory carriers in the first place, is that we'd be people who can reflect back to God. Holy Spirit does it in us, but we reflect back to God, God's glory. Say, I am an instrument. And for anybody that doubted that, open up your Bible. Oh, actually, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation first. And I'm going to tell you one story. Uh, this is how kind God is when he's really wanting to um, share things from his heart for us and help grow us um, and help us understand and make sense of his world as he's a God who gives vision and prophetic words and everything, right? So one day in worship, other people were leading. I was just somewhere in the congregation. I saw an angel come from the front front of the room and land right in front of me in the spirit I saw. And he was coming at me with this big thing. It just looked like, it didn't really look like anything until it got really close. And he was, and he was handing it to me like that. And then as I put my hands on this thing, I turned it like that and realized it's a guitar. The angel in the spirit realm was giving me a guitar. And I took it down like that. And the angel kept pushing it into me, and it became part of me. In the spirit, I could see this. Not really happening, but in the, I mean, in the physical, in the spirit, I could see it. It became part of me, and the color of it was like gold. And it was like the Holy Spirit put a mantle over me of just this gold cover. And, and I kind of didn't know what to do, because you can have visions like that and go, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand is that even theologically right god <laughs> right you can ask all those questions ask him because he really wants to make himself very very clear so here's what happened i was with cat and a few other people we were at a conference and so this is what happened in worship i had the vision and i'm going i don't really understand that i, I play guitar so i kind of get it but i really don't understand too much about what it means we went to bed two three hours later and we we're all just sharing a hotel room and the holy spirit I always get my Bible out. I always reading, usually on my phone, last thing at night. Holy Spirit directly said to my heart, He said, Open up the Bible, your Bible app. I did. Open up to 7122. That specifically, the Holy Spirit said, 7122, after I've had the vision. Okay? Now, here's the thing is, you, you know, I'm human. So I go, Oh. That's really specific, God. What if it's like a, a no verse? It doesn't make sense. It's like, kill all your enemies. <laughs> like, like, we do this, okay? So, I, but I, but I, I opened up, and I, and I was in the NIV, and he goes, no, change to, before I read the verse, change to the Passion Translation in your app. So I did, and this is what I read, and then I just lay there in bed crying because it matched the vision. I said this, my loving God, the harp in my heart will praise you. I had seen an angel coming through the service right to me, give me a guitar that I was kind of thinking he's giving to me, but he was not not really giving it to me to hold. He was trying to press it into my heart and draw attention to the fact that we ourselves are instruments. 
We ourselves are created as instruments to give praise, to give honor to God. And so I lay, listening to that Bible verse, I'm going to read it again. My loving God, the harp in my heart, will praise you. Don't you love God? How kind he is to like give visions that don't always make sense necessarily, but you've got to go seeking him for a bit more of an answer and a bit more unfolding of the revelation. And he makes himself really known that way. I love, I love that. I love that. But here's another verse. Psalm 43, verse 4. Then I will come closer to your very altar until I come before you, God, my ecstatic joy. I will praise you with the harp that plays in my heart. So I was like, oh, there's something to this. And then I, then I really started looking it up a bit more. And, we, and some of you will know some of these scriptures. So listen, read Romans 6, 13. Paul writes, Do not offer, offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. We already read um, in the in the Second Chronicles verse, give up your wicked ways, <laughs> didn't we? We already read that, give up your wicked ways, repent, confess, get clean, get clean. The cleaner we are, the more pure our worship is back before Father, right? So give up the wickedness. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself as an instrument to him for righteousness, Righteousness extends the borders of God's kingdom wherever we go. When we just walk in God's righteousness and keep offering our bodies as instruments for his righteousness to produce worship back to him, our whole lifestyle of worship back to him, every day of the week, not just when we come and sing songs, but I mean everything that we do and just understanding we carry him everywhere. We're learning to live in relationship with him all the time, acknowledging him in every moment that we can. Remember, acknowledge God in all your ways and he'll make your paths straight, but it's that, that constant recognizing you're with me now, you're with me now, and I love you, and I thank you. It's the constant intention of our heart to just go, I love you, and I want you with me everywhere. The more we do that, the more we become instruments of righteousness in this, like this verse 16, 13, Romans 16, 13 verse, instruments of righteousness who are then going to be extending God's kingdom, extending the borders of his garden, extending the borders of his kingdom into our city, our own homes, our schools that we walk into, our workplaces. 2 Timothy 2, 19 to 21. Here's the thing. I did mention people can sit in church for decades and not really engage their heart. 2 Timothy 2, 19 to 21 says this, the Lord actually knows who are his. We can fool people. I mean, we're pretty good. We can put on good shows sometimes. We can fool people, have the right things to say. <laughs> say a lot of scripture, by the way. Americans are very good at quoting a lot of scripture. But I've realized it doesn't mean they mean it or love God just because you can repeat scripture. No, no. The Lord knows who are his And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away again from wickedness. And in a large house, oh, verse 20, it changes tack a little bit. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. 
and some are for special service, uh, purposes and some for common use. Now, verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Cleanse themselves from the latter. It's cleanse ourselves, repent, give up stuff. That's why I'm fun that, that Clayton had that word at the beginning quite funny because it's in line with this. Cleanse ourselves, give up, give up my need to be right, give up my need for pride, give up my need to just have stuff or addiction to other things that is taking the place of God and hindering my relationship with him. The quicker we can be at giving that stuff up, we're cleansing ourselves and becoming instruments, what it says right here, for special purpose. I want to be God's special purpose. Don't you want to be? It's why we were created, every single one of us, and it's not like because I have the microphone, you can go, oh, I can see why she'd have special purpose, but not so much me. You can't do that, because every single one of us are a child of God, and all of us were created with God has special, special purpose on every single person, every single person, and it's really as each person just wakes up and goes, okay, I get this, I love you, use my life, I'm going to I'm going to be that person who deliberately keeps myself cleansed, soft-hearted, willing-hearted to yield and repent of things because I want to be used for special purpose. So the special purpose, let me just change tack a little bit. Say, I am a worshipper. Say, I am an instrument. I am an instrument created for special purpose. On Thursday night, we had our prayer meeting here and I did this and I'm going to do it again. I know in this room, there'd be people here with dreams in your heart that you have thought, oh, that mustn't have been God because maybe you're past the age because you're like, I'm too old now or I can see where these other 10 people would do that but I, I am not gifted like that, so I have the finances, I don't have the education, or I, I can see, you know, I see all the talent on this other person, go ask that person to do it, God, right? But if we really believe I'm an instrument for special purpose, created in God's image, every son or daughter, God has this dream over their heart to be an instrument for special purpose. No one is left outside of God's... Um, family, right? Unless they choose to take themselves out. You are an instrument of special purpose with incredible God dream on you. He has a dream over you that he has wanted you to grow up and fulfill and it's not too late and just there might have been a decade or two decades or three decades or ten gone by. Not ten, that would make someone quite old. <laughs> hey, no, there's like 145 after the after the <laughs> After the flood, there's two men that still grew to 145. <laughs> so, not that, yeah, moving on. <laughs> Decades might have gone by and you might have just put the dream down and you might have just gone, oh, maybe that was just my flesh. I want to ask you tonight, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was God all along and you set it aside for whatever reason. It can be a lot of reasons. Sometimes it can be the voice of someone else coming beside you and saying, I don't see that on you. Other times it can be your own doubt. Other times it can be you've failed. You've tried and failed. Other times it can be you really messed up last week. So you, you've discounted yourself worthy of being called to be a, a, a vessel of special purpose. Does that make sense? 
we are all created for this. Every single person in the room has been created with, with God. God has a beautiful dream and a beautiful assignment that he wants you to fulfill. And the best in your life he has yet to bring to pass. And he doesn't give us dreams to frustrate us. He doesn't give it, these are the dreams out of his heart that he always intentioned for you to be part of so that he would fulfill you. He wants to be the one who's fulfilling you. That's what these dreams are about. So I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to do it myself and just tell you a few things because it's way bigger than what I can accomplish. So I'm just going to be vulnerable. Sometimes I've heard say to God things to me that are so wild and so outlandish that we'd want to discount it. Uh, uh, Billy Graham did that kind of stuff, God, right? We, we easily discount ourselves because we see the big celebrity people doing it instead of going, if that's in your heart for me, I'm just going to keep walking after you and I'm going to keep worshipping you and obeying you every single day and allowing you to build my life line upon line, precept upon precept and put into me what you want in my life so that you can accomplish your purpose in my life. That's the difference. Don't discount yourself and let that be your prayer. Here's the thing. In 2012, the Holy Spirit said to me, you are going to plant a thousand churches. I kind of went... Not, not in a horrible, it wasn't, oh. I think you can understand what, what, if you get told something like that, your reaction can be, right? And I was also in a place serving somewhere else, and that wasn't their vision. And I was really fully given to their vision and accomplishing everything that they wanted. And I should have been given over to yield, serve to the leaders I was serving. And in 2012, I heard that and went, that's not their vision, Father. And it took me a little few minutes to just go, that's in you. That's in you. If you want to bring that to pass, I'm just going to obey you every single day and I'm going to walk after you every single day. When I wake up happy, breathing life, breathing spirit in to worship every single day, I'm going to keep getting up every day and I'm going to keep obeying you and I'm going to keep walking on this path that you, you have mapped out, you have ordered my steps and so I will obey. Does that make sense? So that word is in him. It's on him. It's in him. He doesn't give words or he doesn't have purpose in his heart that he won't fulfill, by the way. He fulfills everything that's in his heart. But he's just waiting for people like us who will just go, I'm an instrument of special purpose. I'm a worshipper. I'm on the planet to extend God's kingdom like Adam was supposed to extend the garden. And I'm just going to get up every single day and do it. I'm going to get up every single day. I'm going to live obediently to God, uncompromisingly, yielded, surrendered vessel and giving worship to him so that he could use me as his special vessel. So I've told you something, to a, a thousand churches... <laughs> So I'm still laughing at myself. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to stop that, don't I? <laughs> That's an uncomfortable laugh too. <laughs> it's because I just put something out there. That, by the way, Seashore will be doing. So there you go. <laughs> still uncomfortable here right now. Um, what, what I'm going to ask you to do is we're just, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And I'm going to ask you, as they do that, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. And um, before the Father right now, maybe you might want to repent of self-doubt. Maybe you want to repent of fear 
or, or setting yourself and discounting yourself, setting yourself aside, discounting yourself because you've compared yourself to someone else or you've allowed someone else's words to come in and negatively speak over you and to you. And so you've discounted the dream because you haven't even seen it as God's. But here's the thing is, for me to go a thousand churches, I know I can't accomplish that. So this has got to be you. And see, that's the thing is, the dreams that God has over your life are only things that he can accomplish with you fully living dependent on him. Because if you can accomplish it, it's not his dream. So I'm going to ask you to um, close your eyes and um, allow him to right now breathe life into a dream or dreams plural just breathe life into your heart again. And it, you know what? It might be from when you were a six-year-old kid and you just had this, I'd love to do this when I'm older. And it, and it could have been that six-year-old that God's spirit was speaking to, calling that out in you. So right now, just attune your heart. Give your heart to listen. You might already know what it is if you're waiting on the Holy Spirit to say it, but some of you already might hear no and so I just want you to give them to God. Give those things to God. Pray. Speak them out even. If you, if you don't want to have to do it in front of other people, that's okay. Do it quietly. But there's dreams. There's dreams. And I'm praying right now. Father, I'm praying that you would just breathe life into those dreams again, that you would breathe Holy Spirit over us, that you'd breathe life, breathe life, breathe life, Holy Spirit, and speak to those areas. Even if those areas have become like Ezekiel's dry bones, so dry and so so weary and so burdened down, not knowing what to do or how to pick up life, let alone a big, a big dream of yours. Father, I pray just speak life and let life flow back into those areas. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd water the dry areas in people's hearts and water those areas and go deep into every crevice and crack of our heart. Allow, allow him to do that. Allow him to just water your, your heart. He wants to fill one of the words we know with the Holy Spirit is that he's like water or even the words, hearing, hearing the voice of God can be light rushing waters. And so allow those waters to go deep right now. I just pray, Father, just release water, release that water and minister healing, minister life, minister fresh breath, fresh hope is fresh hope, fresh hope again, hope again, hope again, hope again, hope again. God, cleanse us. So thank you for the washing of, of the water. Cleanse us, cleanse us. If there's things that you want to highlight in our hearts right now, Father, I pray that you would highlight people's hearts and they would quickly and easily give those things over. It's so easy, that split second of just going, Lord, I'm sorry and I give it to you. It's you've released the burden of that thing and God will take it and take care of it. Confess it out before him if he's highlighting anything that's hindered. God, we ask, we do ask, we just, we do ask, we do ask. We do ask that you'd cleanse, that you'd wash us clean, but then you'd fill us with such life. You'd fill us with such passion to follow you. Even tonight, it was that burn, that word just in worship that came up. You ignite our heart and cause us to burn with such passion, so bright for you, God, that nothing in the earth would be able to stop or quench that flame that's burning bright on the inside of us. Burn. Allow him to burn in you, passionately burn in you. I pray, Father, for everybody in this room right now to know you, 
to know you, to go deeper with you. God, that our heart would yearn. I pray for that you'd stir hunger and to know you, stir hunger and passion for you, hunger for you, hunger to know you, hunger to go deep, deep, deep intimately with you. I pray, Father, for deep, deep intimacy, God. Go deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and God, this, we'll, we'll never plumb the depths of you. And in that sense, it's we're in you. And so we're asking really to go very, very deep in you. Lord, I pray, I pray, call us, call us. Let hearts feel that draw. Let hearts just feel drawn into you closer, closer, God. I pray that every single person in this room would fall more in love with you every single day for the rest of their lives until we see you face to face. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, it's the heart of the Father is so for you. The heart of the Father is so for you. And we push it off. We are the ones who set him aside, you know. Oh, I'm good. I've got salvation. We push aside the intimate, that draw of our heart, that he's yearning over you, yearning over you, for you just to turn your affections and your heart to him again and again and again. He is the one who longs for this. We do too, but it's even the Holy Spirit that's creating that in us. But as you, as you turn the affections of your heart and give that over to him, he will produce in you the kind of relationship that you're longing for. We all want this. We sometimes just set it aside because we go too hard. Too much work. It's actually not work. When you realize it's relationship, it's the response of a heart that loves in relationship. And so um, I'm going to say, we're just going to dismiss everyone. We're going to let everybody get their kids. Whoever's got kids back there, please get your kids. Anybody else who just wants prayer for a little while, we're just going to be available up front here to pray. And um, 